Welcome to another inspirational message from Northwest Church. We pray this message encourages and inspires you. If you would like any more information on what your next step may be, please visit our website at northwestchurch.com.au. I'm here with my Miss Universe, sitting there. In case you never met her, if you need an autograph, just see me after service. Please don't go directly to her. Great. Uh, we, let's go. Let's start. Our time has started. Let's start. We are going to start a series uh, for the next three weeks. We're going to talk about uh, a, a topic that we called Keep It Healthy. Keep it healthy. I believe this will be really, really helpful to you. It will be healthy for you. It will. God designed every living entity, every living thing to grow, to grow. There is a saying that says, healthy things grow. I know, I think you've heard of it. Healthy things grow. Healthy plants grow. Healthy animals grow. Healthy people grow. Healthy friendship grow. Healthy marriages grow. Healthy churches grow. Because we are relational beings, human beings. We thrive within healthy families, healthy marriages, healthy workplaces, healthy relationship, friendship, and churches. That's where we thrive. So this series will be focusing on relationships. We are not going to talk about healthy trees, as you see, or healthy plant. We're going to talk about healthy relationships. We're not going to focus on growth because I know growth is, is a fruit. So you're not going to talk about the fruit. We're going to talk about the cause, the roots, the thing that causes growth. Keep your relationship healthy, it will grow. Keep it healthy, it will grow. When I met my wife, I promised her that I will make of her the happiest woman on earth. And I said it literally. I will make of you the happiest woman. You know what young boys say, really? <laughs> I don't know if we know what, the thing that we say. When I look 20 years back, what I was saying, <laughs> I will make of you the happiest woman on earth. Wow. <laughs> After a few days, I realized <laughs> the task that I was putting myself... <laughs> In fact, I realized that I could not control life events. I, con I could not control the weather. I could not control the, the, the traffic. I could not even control her own emotion to make her happy. So there's there just a lot of stuff I could not control so that I can achieve my goal of making her happy. <laughs> making her happy, not just make her happy. I wanted to make her the happiest. So when you line up all women, I wanted her to be the happiest. <laughs> Without the power to control all these things. But I also realized that whenever something happened, she was getting more affected by the way I responded to the event than the actual event. So she was more affected by my attitude than the event. So I started to pay attention. 
I started to pay attention to what was happening between me and her. For example, if I was late for an appointment, it's not really my lateness that was a big deal, but the way I will respond to it. If I will apologize, if my face will be serious or I'll be just taking it lightly. She was observing all those things before she makes a conclusion that she, she should be angry or not. So I realized that the main tool in my hand to build a healthy marriage is my attitude. My attitude. That's, what, that was the only thing I could, I, I could control in my relationship with her. Not the weather, not the traffic, not the money, not all the things, but only my attitude. So for the 17 years we have been in love my main contribution has been just my attitude. That was what I've been trying to bring. So for the next three weeks, we're going to talk about three steps to help you grow relationally. The next three weeks. The first step or the first ingredient to growing your relationship is a healthy attitude. So that's what we're going to talk about today, a healthy attitude. And I'm not just talking about marriage. I'm talking about any relationship, at work, everywhere. Healthy attitude. Attitude is defined as the way we think and feel about someone or something that affects our behavior. The way we think or we feel about someone or something, then it affects our behavior. This is how I defined attitude. Your attitude is the reflection of your assessment of a situation. This is my definition. Why? Because I have three things in this definition. The first one is the reflection, what people see through you. You are reflecting something. You reflect something by your smile, your walk, your talk. Everything you do reflects something. But that thing is coming from your assessment of situations. You are happy because you assessed something to be a joyful situation. You are sad because you assessed, you processed in your mind that that was supposed to bring sadness. What is happening in your mind is how you see things. That's how you see things. So we don't see things as we are, as we, they are. We see things as you reflect to us. And then the last one is a situation. How things really are. How things really are is, is there. Then in between there is you. You process it. You assess it. You decide how you're going to reflect it. And then when you reflect it, we see. So we don't see the thing. We can only see you and the reflection of it. That's your attitude. So you decide how we are going to know what is happening in your life. You give us the reflection. Attitude. Then I, I think your attitude is not just the way you look at the world. It also affects the way the world looks at you. Let me show you something. These are my lenses, the way I'm looking at the world at the moment. 
Is it cool? Beautiful. I knew you would laugh. You, you know what? <laughs> we are laughing because it's funny to see someone on the street walking with such glasses. But when you look at people with pride, with, with disrespect, that's how they look at you. Because they see, your attitude is not just the way you see people. It's the way they see you. So people are laughing at you because that's the way you behave. Oh, I don't know if I'm making this point clear. It's not just the way you see people. If you look at people with disrespect, that's how they see you. They are laughing at you. Some people will walk around, they don't say hello to people, they think they are more important. When we look at them, we laugh. We, uh, we, we laugh, eh, look at this person. Who does she think she is? Who does he think he is? We laugh at you. You're wearing this. There is a, there is a proof that dogs, they feel somebody who is afraid. If you're afraid, when, when I was still young, my, I'm, I'm still young. When I was still a child, my sister told me, I was really afraid of dogs. My sister told me, when you see a dog, don't show, don't show it that you're afraid. Just try to stay confident and they will run. It will run. And I tried it. It worked. It worked. Why? Because my attitude is not just the way I see the dog. It's the way the dog sees me. If I'm confident, the dog will sense that. Your attitude reflects the way the world sees you. The way we think about ourselves, we think about others, our circumstances, determines what we do, what we say, or what we feel. Philippians chapter 4 verse 8. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Paul is telling Philippians to take charge of their thought. Take charge of their thought. To carefully select what they think about. Why? Because our thinking is, a, is the engine of our attitude. Our thinking controls our words, our actions, and our feelings. Is it psychological? Psycho psychotherapists, English. No, so psychotherapists. Yes. They agree that our thoughts controls, control our feelings. What we think controls how we feel. That's why Paul is saying, control what you think. Change of feelings requires change of thinking. Change of thinking requires change of belief. If you want to change the way you think, change the way, the things you believe. When I was preparing this message, I told my wife, do you know that not all snakes are dangerous? She said, ah! Snakes? I said, no, some snakes are cute. No, 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 snakes can't be cute. 
We think snakes are bad, dangerous, because we've been warned about snakes. We believe snakes are dangerous. But if you go, if you go to, the, to, the, to the reptile park, there are some snakes that you can touch. Yes. You can touch them. They're not dangerous at all. So for you to deal with the fear of snakes, you need to first change what you believe about snakes. Change the belief, you will change the thinking. Change the thinking, you will change the attitude. So I will give you three. Three beliefs or three attitudes to change your life. Three attitudes. Three beliefs that will change you and the way the world sees you. As Pastor Darren put it so beautifully, as one of our church cultural values, our lens is love, faith, and hope. The remedy to negative attitude is to look at yourself, look at others, look at your circumstances through the lens of love, faith, and hope. And now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. 1 Corinthians 13, 13. I love it when Pastor Darren said, God looks at the world through the lens of faith, hope, and love. Now, Jesus will come. And put in faith, love, and hope. They are cool, isn't it? Impressive. So impressive. Love, faith, and hope are not, are not just feelings. They are choices we make. We choose them. We choose love. We choose faith. We choose hope. So let, let's go through it. Let's go through the three, three things. How God looks at you through these beautiful sunnies. Love. Love is the choice to have the best attitude to the needs of others. Love is the choice to always act, think, and speak in favor of others. In favor of others. 1 Peter 4.8 says, Above all, love each other deeply, because love covers over a multitude of sins. When I was still a young boy, we used to keep chickens in our house. Uh, the the free-range ones. They go in the morning, they come back in the night. And we love them. My mom said, look after them. Give them this food, these grains and stuff. We loved our chickens. As young boys, as young kids, we loved our chickens. You know why? Because at Christmas, two of them <laughs> will eat them. On my birthday, one of them is mine. Uh, at Easter, two. You know, you know that's how we love people. We love people for the way they make us feel. We love people for the way, what they, the, the way we, we feel around them, what they say to us. That's how we love people, human beings. We don't love them for them. We love people for ourselves. When Jesus went on the cross, he was thinking about us. He was not thinking about himself, how great I will be when I will leave this place. 
He was thinking about us, and he died with us in mind. We don't love people that way. We love people for how the benefits we get, how we feel around them. Our love for chicken is selfish. When you go to Marcus, you order chicken, not because you love it. You love the way you feel when you eat it. Most gifts and acts of kindness are not given in favor of the recipient. They are given to make the giver look or feel good. Most of the time we give people... I'm tired of people who serve at church because it makes them feel good. Ah, sorry, Pastor, I shouldn't say that. But I will say it again. We are not supposed to give in church to feel good. Love is about the recipient. If you love God, what is best for him? Not for you. If you love your neighbor... What is best for him or her? That is love. That's how Jesus looks at the world. That's how we should be looking at people. That's love. That's the lenses that Jesus used to look at us. What's best for us? The problem is we think about ourselves. Then we expect to act on behalf of others. It can't work. You need to have others in mind... So that your actions can reconcile with your thoughts. How many times you walk in a room thinking in favor of people inside? How many times you act and speak in favor or the benefit of others? Everything you do, think or say about your leaders, is it in their favor? Everything you say and think and do about your, uh, about your colleagues... Is it in their favor? Love does, speaks, thinks in the favor of others. You can choose to look at people through the lens of love or through your selfish lenses. Remember, that's how we see you. Second one, faith. The lens of faith. Faith is the choice to trust God. When my children were still young, I was throwing them, all of them, as they were growing up. Throw them in the air, catch them. Throwing in the air, catch them. So I developed this kind of trust between them and myself. They know when I throw them, I will catch them. I'm glad I did. I never, I've never let anyone fall. So thank God. There was this kind of trust between me and my children. And I wonder if we feel that way between us and God. Do you feel like God will catch you whenever or however you fall? I want to tell you this. Faith is believing that whenever or however you fall, God will catch you. Faith is living knowing that God has got this. The Bible says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Proverbs 3, 5. You know why our children don't have any issue when we throw them? Because they, they, they don't think about anything else except the trust between them and the parent. 
We think a lot when we are in the air. God, is God capable of doing this? Is God capable of holding this? Relax. Trust God. There is a difference between believing God and trusting him. Even demons believe God. And it's okay. To believe God is the, the beginning. If they start. Of the process. It's good to believe in Jesus. But it's not enough. Anyone can claim to believe. Trusting is different. Trusting is surrendering. It's God, I know you've got this. I know you will, you will take. I know you have a way. I don't see it even when I don't see it working. I know you are working. That's trust. You can choose to look at life through those lenses. Trust is not just a positive thinking. It's not just trust in the random universal chances that the universe will, my turn will come, the universe. No. Trust is believing in God working a plan for your life. It's not just by chance. Do you trust God with your health? Do you trust God with your children? Do you trust God with your finances? Or you are worried about running out of money? What attitude do you live with? Do you bring faith into your marriage? Do you bring faith at work, at church, at your family gatherings? Do you look at yourself with faith? Do you look at yourself in the mirror and say, God has got a plan for this person? Speak faith. Do you know why I say I'm strong and blessed? Let me tell you why. It started when my family was in Africa. I had every reason to be depressed. I remember that God, God taught Joshua to be strong and courageous. But I thought about it. God was not telling Joshua to go to the gym. He was not telling him to do more push-ups, to be strong physically. He was commanding him to be strong. How can God command you to go to the gym? God cannot command you to be strong if it's about physical strength. God wants us to be emotionally and spiritually strong. I keep telling my brain, you are strong and blessed. I keep telling myself, you are strong, you are strong, you are strong. Believe it, you are strong. And my head believed it. My heart submitted to it. And I'm strong. I do not give up. I speak faith. You can choose to live by faith or to live in fear. It's a choice. You can bring faith to your marriage. You can bring faith around people. Last one, hope. Hope is the choice to expect the best from God. Our hope is not just an empty aspiration or expectation. Hope is not a feeling. It's a person. Hope is a person. You can choose him or reject him. Looking at life through the lens of hope is looking at life through the eyes of Jesus. Hope is knowing who Jesus is, what he has done for you, and what he is planning to do for you. That's hope. Hebrews 6, 19 to 20. We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. It's entered the inner sanctuary behind the curtain. Where our foreigner Jesus has entered 
on our behalf. He has become a high priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. This hope is walking. Hope has entered. Hope walking. This one is a person. This hope is a person. You need to believe that Jesus lived a perfect life so that we can be accepted despite of our imperfections. Believe that Jesus was wounded so that we can be healed. Believe that Jesus was rejected so that we can be accepted. Believe that Jesus died so that we can live. Not just eternal life in heaven, but abundant life here on earth. A life without worry, fear, or guilt. A life full of peace, joy, and hope. When we look at life from the lens of Jesus, we can see that he has made provision for all our needs. We just need to change the lenses and we will see it. When we look at life from the lens of Jesus, we can recognize how much we are loved, accepted, and appreciated by God. When we look at, Jesus, at life from the lens of Jesus, we can see that there is always a way out for us. When we look at life from the lens of Jesus, everything changes. Remember, attitude affects outcome. Your attitude affects your outcome. Change of outcome requires change of thinking. Change of thinking requires change of belief. So what do you believe this evening? Just imagine a worry-free life where you trust God with the future of your family instead of living in constant fear that something may go wrong at every corner. Just imagine a worry-free life where you trust God with your finances instead of living in a constant fear that you may run out of money. Just imagine a worry-free life where you trust God with your health, knowing that he's got your life in his hands. Just imagine a family where everybody speaks and acts in favor of each other. Just imagine an office or workplace where everybody considers the interest of others before themselves. Just imagine a church where everybody looks at everybody else through the lens of love, faith, and hope. Just imagine this place. Imagine how your life would be if you speak faith to your children, your co-workers, your friends every day. Just imagine how much positive influence you would have if every time you meet people, you just speak faith, love, and hope. Just imagine how this room would feel, this room. How your office or your home would be if you start speaking and acting in faith, love, and hope. You can be that person who always brings faith hope and love around. You can. You can. You can. It's a choice. Your attitude is a choice. You just need to choose the lenses. The lenses you use to look at life. Is it hope? Is it faith? Is it love? Let's bow our head. We're going to pray. We're going to pray. We need to bring hope, faith, and love in our marriages. 
hope, faith, and love in our church. Hope, faith, and love at work. Faith, love, and hope. Without Jesus in your heart, you will continue to see life through your own eyes. Without Jesus in your heart, you will continue to see life through fear, despair. With Jesus in your heart, you will see life through hope, faith, and love. If you are here tonight and you would like to invite Jesus in your heart, I will give you an opportunity. Think about this. What a privilege to live a life with an attitude of faith, hope, and love. It starts with the invitation to invite Jesus in your heart. So I'll invite everyone, let's pray this prayer, including those who have given their life to Jesus. Let's pray this prayer together. Let's invite Jesus in our heart. Let's reconsider again how we've been living our lives. What did we bring to work, to church, to our marriages? Did we bring faith, love, and hope? And if you are here and you want to invite Jesus in your heart for the first time, just join us and pray this prayer together. Let's say this word together. Heavenly Father, thank you for your love. Thank you because you look at us through the lens of faith, hope, and love. Forgive me, Jesus, for all my sins. Forgive me, Jesus, for my fears. Forgive me, Jesus, for my selfishness. Forgive me, Jesus. Tonight, I invite you into my heart. Help me to see life as you see it. Help me to see my spouse as you see them. Help me to see my friends as you see them. Help me to see the church as you see it. Help me to see my co-workers as you see them. Give me your eyes, Jesus. In Jesus' name. Hey again, thanks so much for joining us on this podcast. Whether you are new and exploring faith or a follower of Jesus, there is a next step for you. There is always room to grow, more to be done, destiny to be pursued and people to be reached. So what's your next step? To find out, head over to northwestchurch.com.au. And thanks again for listening.